Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly Wrap, uh, part of our FinTech Unfiltered brand, uh, hosted by Bank Innovation. I am Rick Morgan, a news editor at Bank Innovation, and I'm joined today by Jeff Tower, uh, VP of Marketing and Business Development at Charge After. Uh, before we get started recapping the news of the week, I'd like to thank our sponsors, LQD Finance, Info Group, and Mambu. Thank you for your support. Um, Jeff, it's been a very busy week in the financial technology space, as always. Um, yes, before we get yeah. into the news, uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about Charge After, um, just so people have some context, and then we can talk about some of the major developments this week. Sure. Thank you for having me, Rick. Uh, Jeffrey Tarn, Vice President of Marketing and Business Development here at Charge After. Uh, Charge After, what we do, we are actually a technology platform. We're a fintech technology platform. Uh, what we do is we connect merchants and lenders to provide consumers with personalized point-of-sale consumer financing uh, that has been approved um, to, from multiple lenders across uh, the entire FICO band. Uh, and we really help merchants go ahead and close more sales by approving upwards of 80 to 85% of all applications. So in short, what we are, we are a point-of-sale financing technology platform and we have the leading lenders and banks already plugged into our platform. And we bring the power of the masses to merchants. So instead of merchants having to only have one single financing partner, we have multiple partners, anything from prime, near prime, and subprime, who are able to approve more. Interesting. So um, yes. I think you might be able to provide some some context on one of the big news developments this week. Uh, I'll touch on it for a little bit, and then I'd like to hear your thoughts. So uh, Bloomberg reported that uh, Amex was interested in buying Cabbage, the um, SMB fintech lender. Uh, we spoke to some analysts. Uh, I, I spoke to some analysts for a story that I posted on Bank Innovation um, that basically talked about what Amex would get out of Cabbage. Um, they basically looked at the, the analysts that we spoke with said that they could probably get um, some updated technology from Cabbage. Uh, they could, you know, get access to their loan portfolio. Um, they could expand Amex's own cardholder portfolio. <clears throat> um, they could use Cabbage as like a test bed um, for, for new products um, that they want to take to market, maybe get into some cash uh, insights, some analysis, spending analysis, et cetera. Um, and they also talked a little bit about um, how uh, Cabbage really did show during the Paytech Protection Program here in the States um, that they can pivot quickly um, going from being, you know, a normal SMB fintech lender to pretty much facilitating PPP loans exclusively. Uh, and they did that in a matter of days, pretty much. Um, so I was wondering, Jeff, if you had any thoughts on, you know, not so much this news specifically, but um, what are you seeing in terms of card companies, uh, you know, trying to get into different forms of lending beyond their traditional credit card models? Sure. So um, as you may know, Rick, uh, charge after investors include companies such as Visa, BBVA, Mitsubishi Bank, Synchrony Financial. You have the largest banks in the world that are standing behind charge after and what we are doing, getting into what we're doing in the world of buy now, pay later, point of sale financing. Since this whole Corona craziness began, we have seen mm -hmm. traditional banks looking to get into the digital world more and more so it's very simple people aren't as aren't outside as much people are you know working from the comfort of their home and they're looking to interact uh with their banks in a digital manner 
many of the banks that we're seeing getting into the spaces of either buy now, pay later, or more financing, or traditional, or what we call new fintech uh, financing. Uh, and if that's buy now, pay later, if that's B2B loans or PPP or anything else like that, you'll see many of them are traditional banks who have always had one type of business, which is dealing with a consumer using a plastic credit card. Uh, and now these banks are finding themselves in a position where they have to innovate fast, just like you said right now, and to be able to stay relevant uh, for the businesses and their customers and consumers going forward. Obviously, another really uh, important part of the business is or really going digital and being able to provide those B2B loans and or these direct consumer loans is customer acquisition. So you don't have people just walking into Chase anymore, into Bank mm -hmm. of America anymore saying, hey, I want to open up a checking account or savings account. We're actually seeing many companies that are starting to offer savings accounts and checking accounts directly from the mobile phone in a non-traditional method. So what we're seeing are these traditional banks going and adapting, going from their old school ways of business into what is becoming relevant uh, for now and most probably the future. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that leads us nicely to one of our other big stories of the week. Um, uh, our co my colleagues Bianca Chan and uh, Bayadu Trivedi wrote a story that kind of focused on uh, banks seeing an increased spike in mobile volume during the pandemic, which is right. you know, not terribly surprising, um, and how banks are sort of reacting to that, whether, you know, there, there's a variety of different ways that banks are, are kind of reacting, and uh, whether that be buying more server space or increasing the limit for the number of, you know, mobile check deposits you can do online or what have you. Um, and it seems to be that, you know, this is a trend that's going to it's, it's been very strong and, you know, with the pandemic going on, who knows how much longer it's going to last. And if, you know, uh, people are migrating to mobile channels uh, and they like it, you know, this could end up being a long-term, uh, you know, a long-lasting effect uh, at the end of the day. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts on, uh, with all these customers sort of migrating to digital channels, I mean, what does that mean for banks? Is there anything that they need to uh, get better at? Is there anything that they need to improve? Or, um, you know, what's sort of the new reality for banks given all this increased adoption of, uh, of mobile channels? I think it all comes down to the least amount of clicks and being as, cl as clear as you can. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see an increase in AI and artificial or AI artificial intelligence along with NLP technologies or natural language technologies, where if a consumer is interacting with your bank, or with a chatbot, they're actually able to do that via voice. Uh, just like today, if I, I have an account, let's just say with Capital One, when I call them up, I'm able to do everything over voice. I do see uh, banks starting to, uh, or continue to invest heavily in that in order to provide better consumer, better, better, um, better service uh, to their consumers, wherever they may be. Mm -hmm. uh, that said, I, I do question the need to go full out mobile and I'll just explain why in the past two years we've seen a lot of mobile first technologies a lot of mobile first uh, offers and, and really companies trying to go what's called mobile first but now when and that was true for when you're leaving your apartment you're getting in the subway you're going to work or on the way back from work mm. but we got to take that part out right now you and yeah. I were both working from home right now we're working with, you know, a laptop and probably two screens. 
we're not we're probably going to go onto our bank you know right over here on our computer versus just going onto our phone mm -hmm. um so i actually think that what what financial institutions should be doing is just working wholesomely on providing a better user experience that stays true to both mobile and to desktop so wherever and however the consumer is interacting with the bank or financial institution they will get a very easy uh non-intrusive but uh, open experience that allow them to do whatever they want to do with the least amount of clicks possible interesting yeah um so do you think that there might be given that people are working from home you mentioned two screens sitting here uh kind of you know purveying our our digital world in front of us um do you think that maybe desktop is going to have a, a long lasting i mean that that's going to be if that's how we're interacting right now is that going to be uh another place that banks are going to continue to innovate i think that they have to mm -hmm. um just given the you know we know right now that companies like you know, facebook and intel and many other uh are having their employees continue to work from home probably for the next year or so that's that's a lot of people working from home yeah, next summer yeah next summer right and, yeah. and they're working on their they're working on their desktops right they're writing code and they're you know doing everything else on their desktops not necessarily on their phones so they will continue to interact or go on to their bank account directly on their desktop what i'm saying is yes banks and financial institutions must continue to uh create their technologies and create their services and products for tomorrow what tomorrow is at this point i don't know <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> nobody knows right yeah. but i what a but what I am saying is, I see that the desktop experience is super relevant, and I, while I believe that we should be focused on mobile because hopefully within you know the next few months we'll all be able to get back to our normal lives. But what I am saying, um, I think that the world has changed a little bit, for sure, and we're we're in a new norm. Mm -hmm. And now it's not just mobile first or desktop first, it's experience first. And that experience has to be, you know, omnidirectional across device, just providing the best user experience possible for consumers to interact with their financial institutions. Uh, and I'm sure we've all seen uh, many financial institutions over the past year updating their UIs, providing better user experiences, and that's where they need to continue to focus. Fantastic. Um, so, you know, looking ahead, I know that at Bank Innovation, we're going to be taking a look at the state of open banking in the U.S., uh, obviously very different than overseas in the EU and the U.K., um, and sort of examining what that means for financial institutions and U.S. consumers. Um, Jeff, what does uh, Charge After have coming up on the docket? Any, anything that we should be keeping an eye out for? Sure. So um, what we're doing is we're creating what's called the next wave of credit. Uh, we believe, and really the market has shown, that consumers are relying more on buy now, pay later technologies on consumer financing. Consumers want to be able to divide up their payments anywhere from six to 60 months. They want to be able to, um, to not pay any type of interest. They want to be able to decide uh, how to pay and on their terms. Um, some of the things, as I mentioned before, our investors, but in the past half a year, we've received investments from both Mitsubishi Bank and from Visa. Uh, Visa has just put out a new product of theirs called Visa Installments. 
Charge After is the first technology company, first fintech technology company to actually launch Visa installments in the United States and soon we'll be doing that globally as well. So that will allow any, any uh, Visa card holder um, that is eligible to go ahead and make a purchase uh, either through a swipe or through e-commerce mm -hmm. and to receive right away uh, the option to divide up their uh, payment into installments directly through Visa going through Charge After. That said, we're also seeing Visa now going and starting to distribute Charge After uh, to all of their merchant acquirers, their issuing banks, and to their gateways and some of their strategic uh, merchants globally uh, because all of us understand that we are now in a world where consumer financing mm -hmm. and providing, uh, providing the or really giving the consumers the reins and the control over their finances, you know, that's where we're at right now. Um, so some really exciting things coming up with uh, Charge After in the very near future. Great, well, we're excited to keep an eye on it. Uh, Jeff, thank you for joining us today. Um, thank you, Rick. Of course, yeah, and thank you to everyone for tuning in. Uh, please feel free to visit us on bankinnovation.net. Um, we will post this uh, on our website as well as on to Transistor, Spotify, iTunes. So check it out as a podcast as well. Uh, let us know how we did. Feel free to uh, check in on one of our social channels, either Twitter or LinkedIn, um, and let us know what you think of the product. Uh, thanks again for joining us, and we will see you Thank on bankinnovation.net. Bye, Jeff. Bye.